know the whole way God has led me. He has humbled me. He has tested me and he will feed me. I do not need to feed myself. When Satan comes to you, wanting you to define yourself by your desires and your hungers, rather than by the mission he has given you as his child, you say, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Today on the Songtime broadcast, we are continuing our study in the Gospel of Luke. This week in Luke chapter 4, we'll talk about the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And Herschel York will explain to us how Jesus passed the test, but also teaches and demonstrates to us how to be wary of the devil's attacks. Stay tuned for that message, but first, we're privileged to be joined today by the great Johnny Erickson Tata to talk about her latest book, Many Voices Come Together for That One Message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. This weekend, we are privileged to be joined by the incredible Johnny Erickson Tata. I have been following her ministry for decades. Our tremendous testimony is somebody who is a quadriplegic. She has suffered in ways that you and I can barely even wrap our minds around. And yet, throughout her, her ministry, throughout all of her books and all of her her outreach, she has maintained a testimony of the faithfulness of God. Where there's anyone in this life who could really turn their heart in, in bitterness towards God for the circumstances that she's found herself in, she has turned all of that suffering into songs of praise. It's a real joy to have her. Uh, I am blessed to be in her presence. And Johnny, it is a privilege to have you on the broadcast to talk about your book called Songs of of suffering, 25 hymns, and devotions for weary souls. You've done a great job at curating all of these 25 songs, and they're really great resource for helping people to understand the glory of God in the midst of their suffering. But I'm curious uh, how you came to choose these songs and how they pertain to the, the subject of suffering for our listeners and your readers. Yep, yep. Uh, Each hymn that I selected for this book, Songs of Suffering, contains at least one powerful biblical truth that has really blessed me in my suffering. Um, For instance, I chose the hymn, Faith is the Victory. Well, what does that mean? Well, 1 John chapter 5, verse 5 says, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who then overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And and so, in Songs of Suffering, I share a story of how my confidence, um, how, how my confidence is, uh, is bolstered by these rich hymns. And I want the reader to discover how rich these stanzas are and how they can speak to them individually and what they can learn and how they can apply that truth, apply that doctrine. And, uh, and, and really, when I wrote the book, I wanted to engage people in the discipline of memorization. Um, as we just said a moment ago, we memorize so many things that are silly. Um, but there is such value to memorizing scripture, memorizing the stanzas of of good, solid, uh, doctrinally rich hymns that can supply you with exactly what your soul needs uh, when you are weary, when you are worried, when you are sorrowful, when you are feeling strong and want to praise the God effervescently and uh, 
And, and so that's why I wrote the song. I really want to engage people in the discipline of memorizing biblical truth mm. through a musical pattern. Mm. I think a lot of our listeners would say that this would be a great resource, a great devotional to read if they're currently going through suffering, and I would agree with them. But what we've been talking about here is the fact that what we really ought to be thinking about, which we often overlook, is preparing for suffering because we know that it's going to be coming around the corner. And that's something that's a lot harder for people to anticipate because we never prepare for the days when we're going to be struggling or need uh, need these truths. We often react as opposed to uh, preemptively prepare. Uh, Adam, it's why I think my I think of my dying days every day. Every hmm. day, every day I wake up and throughout the day, sometime during the day, I'll think about my death. Hmm. I will handle it. I will hold it close. In so doing, I take the fear out of it. I defang it of its terror. Mm. And so we need to do that not only with death, but we need to do that with suffering, accidents, um, the death of a loved one, uh, unexpected divorce, and just in a family. I mean, just the sorts of things, I don't, I don't mean to sound morbid, I'm not being morbid, but I am being realistic. We're all going to die. We're all going to suffer. At one point in our lives, we're all going to become disabled as we age. So let's prepare for that time. Hmm. Let's let's handle those sorrows now and anticipate how we might respond. Ask God to strengthen our hearts and stretch our souls um, to give us the you know the, the handles that we can grasp uh, when future assaults come that test our faith. Hmm. And so uh, yeah, I do that every day. I, I think at some point during the day I think about my death and it takes the terror out of it takes the fear out of it. That's Actually, it's what I do with my pain. Um, I'm not anxious about my pain, as terrible as it gets, and as woe-be-gone as my expression might be, I'm not terrorized by it. I'm not anxious by it. It doesn't worry me because I've got Bible promises. This is why uh, standing on the promises of Christ my King is in the book. You know, I'm a big believer in God's promises. And one of those promises is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8, that we are hard-pressed on all sides. We're not, we're not crushed. Mm-hmm. So even though my pain is a difficult thing to think about, I force myself to think about it and remove the terror of it uh, just by singing about it and uh, getting my soul ready for those times when uh, fears might assault me, but I can always combat them with uh, a good hymn. We've been talking with Johnny Erickson Tata about her excellent book called Songs of Suffering, 25 Hymns and Devotions for the Weary Soul. It's a great resource and on a very important subject. If you'd like to find out more information about Johnny and about her book and others that deal with the subject of suffering, please give our office a call. It's 508 508- 362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. Or head over to our website at songtime.com. As we're looking at this theme of suffering, we also want to consider the way in which Christ suffered for us. He became like us in our state and, and suffered as we suffer. And we see that first demonstrated for us in his temptation in the wilderness. 
Here in Luke chapter 4, we see Jesus fasting for 40 days. And it is in his weakened state, when he is most vulnerable, that the devil shows up to tempt him. In this message from Herschel York, we'll explore the various ways and tactics the devil uses to tempt Jesus and how Jesus passed the test and why his demonstration is really a call for us to follow his example. Here is Herschel York. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Now you need to understand something here. The, that in Greek, they have just one word that can mean testing or tempted. It's, it's the same word. If somebody is tempted, it's sort of the goal is that they sin. But often the same event is used by God with one purpose and by Satan with another. You can waste a lot of time trying to figure out where something is coming from. Well, is this from God or is this from Satan? The reality is God is always testing us to confirm us in the faith, to make us stronger. But Satan is trying to use the exact same event in your life to tempt you, to trip you up, to cause you to fail and to fall away. And the first thing he does, he says, okay, if you really are the son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Now, that doesn't seem like such a bad thing, does it? I mean, after all, if you're the son of God, you've got this miraculous power, you've been fasting, you're hungry, what's the harm? We could easily miss it. But what Satan is getting at is Jesus is facing the temptation of self-satisfaction, a loaf from a stone. Doesn't that sound so reasonable? Isn't it, in fact, what our culture urges us to do every day of our lives? But God says, it's not about the fulfillment of your desire or your longing. It is about the mission God has given you. And that mission is to bring honor and glory to him. The truth is God does want you to be satisfied with him. He wants you to have something so much more satisfying and so much more joyful and so much more fulfilling than any fleshly hunger could ever fulfill. Look how Jesus answers Satan with the duties of a common man as much as of the son of God. The, the meaning of his sonship is not to stand above his fellow humans, but to live and carry out his divine mission among them and as one of them. So what's the solution to this temptation? It's a comprehensive commitment to the word of God. Jesus answers, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. You see what Jesus is doing? Jesus is quoting this and invoking this. He's saying to Satan, it's God who has allowed me to hunger. Why? So that I know he's the one who feeds me. He says, I know the whole way God has led me. He has humbled me. He has tested me and he will feed me. I do not need to feed myself. And when you are tested when Satan comes to you wanting you to define yourself by your desires and your hungers rather than by the mission he has given you as his child, you say, no, I, I, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Satan now tries a second temptation. 
Verse five, the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And listen to what he said to him. To you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Notice he doesn't invoke the name of God the Father at all. This is a temptation of self-glorification. What he's really offering is a crown with no cross. This isn't flashy like turning stones into bread. But what is at stake is the worship of God. And Jesus' solution is a comprehensive commitment to the worship of God. Listen to what he says. It is written. By the way, I love that. Jesus has a very high view of the scripture, does he not? And he says, the Bible says, it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. He's reminding Satan that when Israel was in the wilderness, they failed and God's instruction in them was not only one of outward duty and outward performance, but one of inward posture. You're to worship the Lord. And now he moves to the third one. He takes Jesus now to the pinnacle of the temple, the highest point on the temple. What Satan is getting at is a temptation of self-fulfillment. He says to him, Jesus, if you really are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. And hey, you've been quoting scripture. Let me quote you some. By the way, the devil, like heretics, is quick to quote scripture. Now be careful. Context is everything. And what do heretics do? They take stuff out of context and they use it to try and get you to do something that is not consonant with the will and the word of God, the way of God. And if you're not looking at context, you, you'll just buy into it hook, line, and sinker. So Satan, he quotes these verses. He says, all right, it's written. And he quotes from Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Even though the scripture gives this promise, it's a promise in context that as he's doing the will of God and as he's doing the mission of God, God is going to give his angels charge over him. But Jesus answers with this simple verse. Verse 12, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. That's again from Deuteronomy 6. He said, you, you don't get to test the Lord. The Lord is free to test you, but you don't get to test him. And Jesus defeats Satan by the power of the written word. Oh, that we might learn that. In these three temptations, the devil has exhausted all his arsenal of weapons. He tried to use the lust of the flesh Turn these stones to bread. He came at the lust of the eyes. Look here at all the kingdoms of this world. Now the pride of life. Hey, prove you're the son of God. Let everybody know who you are right now. The first Adam faced temptation and he failed. And as a result, he brings death to the world. But Jesus succeeds so he can bring life through his death. Man, sometimes I feel like, boy, but my faith is so small. You ever feel that? Listen, a little faith still gives you a whole Christ. That's good news. I'm not strong enough to face Satan. He's defeated a lot of men better than I am. But I'll tell you this, the cloak of invulnerability is gone. I don't have to defeat Satan 
I just have to remind him that he is already defeated. When we consider the temptations that Jesus endured in the wilderness, we might disassociate ourselves from them and say that those really aren't issues that you and I suffer with. In fact, I've never been tempted to turn stones into bread, and even if I had, I wouldn't have been able to do it regardless. Our temptations are very much different. As John would later describe, they often pertain to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. And certainly those temptations wouldn't have worked on Jesus. So the devil used very carefully crafted temptations that are solely for him and not for you and me. But that would be wrong thinking because the truth is the temptations that we are seeing here, often the schemes the devil uses on us as well to get us to prioritize lesser things over the things of God. You might say, well, what is so immoral about turning stones into bread? And I would say that there is nothing wrong with it. In fact, we see Jesus doing something similar when he feeds the 5,000, which is five loaves and two fish. Although those two stories side by side give us the distinctiveness of the differences. Because in the feeding of the 5,000, what is happening is that the people had chosen to learn and, and listen to Jesus. They were seeking Jesus over their daily needs. They had chosen Jesus over daily bread. Instead of bringing bread with them or preparing their bread before they left or staying home so they could make their bread, they chose to go out to the wilderness to spend time with Jesus. And so Jesus is demonstrating the value that that is a demonstration of faith, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things are added to you. But in the wilderness where Jesus is being tempted, he is being uh, encouraged to, to put his fleshly desires over the eternal desires, his calling to seek first the kingdom of God. And there is the difference right there in plain sight. And you might say, well, I don't see that as a temptation in my own life, except for the reality that we often are putting our own desires over that of the desires of God. In fact, we probably do that more often than we're willing to admit, where we choose the temporal things over that which is eternal. We choose uh, treasures of this world where moth and rust corrupt, where thieves can break in and steal over eternal treasures. And that's what we see here in the metaphor of, of choosing bread over the Spirit of God. This is our, our temptation that we often face, and, and one that if we don't address in the biblical manner, we will fall prey to this temptation on a daily basis. So what is the response? It's actually the words of Jesus. It's been our theme verse for this series, Luke 9, 23 and 24 is to deny ourselves. If we really want to come after Jesus, we must deny ourselves. We must take up our cross daily and follow him. Instead of our daily bread, we must seek our daily relationship with Jesus. That is not something you can just do on a Sunday morning and get your stamp of approval and then go about your own kingdom, your own righteousness, and your own works for the rest of the week. Daily, we must consider Christ above all things and choose him before we choose anything else. Here is a call to self-evaluation. When's the last time we truly chose Christ and chose the kingdom of God and his righteousness over our own base daily desires or needs? It's a reminder that this is a temptation that we all f fall prey to and one that we must confess 
and seek to rectify as we are advancing the kingdom of God and called to be his missionaries in this world. I hope that we've been able to encourage you today and maybe you'll go back and read Luke chapter four again and and study along with us as we seek and pray together to be used mightily for the kingdom of God and his glory. If we have been able to bless you, I hope that you will be a blessing to us in return. You can write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or you can give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. On behalf of everyone here at Songtime, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Luke 9, 23 and 24. Hear the words of Jesus. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it.